So welcome back again to Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley. Today I'm delighted to welcome uh, uh, onto our program Neil Foley, who is a lay preacher at the, who was a lay preacher at, at the Limerick Novena, uh, which was held recently. So you're very welcome to Limerick, Neil. Thank you, John. Is it your, your first time in Limerick? Is it, by the way? Just oh no, definitely not. Um, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big rugby fan, Aha. so I come to Limerick nearly every year, once a year. Um, and but as I say to people here, on, I, I'm from the other side of the, the line, so I'm a Leinster supporter, but uh, I love to come to Thomond Park and especially it's often the Christmas game. So there's, so there's some friends of mine. We come down just after Christmas, usually Stephen's there the day after. Yeah, yeah. And we come down and uh, it's, it's always a great atmosphere here in Limerick for that. We love it. Beautiful. Yeah. Especially if Munster win. Oh, no, sorry, Munster win. <laughs> we won't go there. Okay. Anyway, look, uh, Neil, thanks a lot for, for taking time. Uh, this morning, uh, today, to share your faith journey with us. So maybe maybe you can fill us in a little bit on your faith journey as you were growing up in we- in Wexford. How, how did that? Well, I would have had a very typical upbringing. Mm. Um, I would have been born into Catholic faith. Mm. But it would have been, I suppose, a very um, you know modest type of faith uh, mm. background. Mm. Um, I mean, my mother's mother, my grandmother on that side, mm. would have been very religious, but... Uh, the rest of us, maybe not so much, do you know, um, and uh, would have had the usual religious education. Now, I did go to a secondary school that was attached to a seminary in St. Peter's in Wexford. Okay. Um, so I got to know quite a few seminarians, actually, then as well. So I think maybe that had an influence that I didn't realize at the time. Mm-hmm. But um, but then went on and uh, on to college and um, I pursued the sciences and uh, from that aspect, I would have become quite agnostic, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is that, that quote. Okay. Well, well, there's, there's two. Pasteur says it, and, and uh, also Heisenberg says it, that mm. basically, to paraphrase it, that a, a little bit of science leads you to atheism, but once you get further into science, it brings you back. Okay. So a little okay. bit of that kind okay. of happened, I think, on the way. On your way. Very good. <laughs> and so something happened then maybe later on in your 20s, was it, in terms of bringing you back a little bit more to the Catholic faith? Yes, I, uh, I, I met a nice girl, as they say, and okay. uh, we're now married. I'm married to Helen. It does help, doesn't it? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, her family uh, would, would be quite involved with the church, uh, with okay. the Catholic church. And uh, in fact, her brother was, was ordained uh, back in the late 90s. Okay. And that had quite an, an influence on me, even just from the point of view of seeing someone devoting themselves okay. to a God who I won't say I didn't believe in, but didn't really, you know, have much time or interest in. Mm-hmm. You know? And of course, he had uh, big bookshelves of, of various books. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I've, I'd be a very curious kind of person. So and he would he would be saying, yeah, 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 you walk away. So I'd huh. pick different ones and read little bits. Yeah, and, okay. You know, um, but one of the books that had a, a very big impact on me was Henry Nouwen's book, the, the Return of the Prodigal Son. I think a lot of people may know it. It's quite well known. But if you don't know it, I would really recommend any listeners to, to seek it out. And it really traces that journey of the parable, um, but very beautifully in the sense of most of us, you know, read the parable in the literal sense of the prodigal son who comes back yeah so he mm. goes off and he does his thing and mm. then he comes back with his cap in hand and you know yeah. but the beauty of what now does with that story is and that's how i would have actually initially taken it at that stage of my journey but okay. he progresses it so well that um then he makes us look well actually you know what about the other brother and where do we identify as that uh the brother the brother who is 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 bitter and yes. annoyed at the fact 
of the, the other son returning. Mm-hmm. And now and then takes it even further. But it, of course, it, it takes a long time in your own journey. So sometimes even when I read it first, I never got the latter parts of the book. And I'm only starting to get them now. Okay. That mm-hmm. now and actually says, well, really who we need to be is the father. And that's where we're headed to. And that's our ultimate goal. So it's a wonderful book. It's a book that takes a lifetime to read. And when I mean, I don't mean as in it's very easy to read, but mm-hmm. I mean as in a lifetime to really understand. And it's a wonderful book to, to accompany anyone on their faith journey, really from, from very beginning, from where if you're really not particularly interested in any of it, right the way through to if you're in the, the, the depths of theology. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it will, yeah, it will yeah. cover the whole realm. <laughs> okay. But it takes time. It does. As does a faith journey anyway, would, yes. would that be fair to say? Absolutely. You, you can't just jump into So the name of the book again? It's uh, Henry Nouwen is the author. He was a, a, a Belgian priest, I believe. Sorry, Dutch priest, I think, actually yeah, it was. Yes. Uh, lived in Canada. But uh, The Return of the Prodigal Son is, is the, the book. And the beautiful illustration on the front as well uh, from Rembrandt. Mm. Um, and uh, it, it, he's inspired by that particular painting as well as obviously the gospel story mm-hmm. itself and uses that in the imagery. It, it, it's fantastic. And it, it, isn't that true as with all gospel stories? We've heard that it seems to be so familiar. We know all that and we ignore going reading it yes. again and yeah. giving something else time to peep out of that little page exactly. for, it's, for us in our life. It's it's like like the, the analogy of the onion. You know, you've got to yeah. peel the layers and peel the layers. That's and each, right. each time you go back, there's another layer. Yeah. And there's always something for us to learn. Yes, always. Part of your faith journey, I believe, um, you expressed you had an interest in contemplation and mysticism. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like I said, I mean, the fact that I have a scientific background, mm. which, of course, is, uh, you know, very analytical yeah. and, and mm. looks for empirical evidence and yeah, all yeah, these types yeah. of things. Um, and yet, probably the, the part of faith that I'm most drawn to is actually contemplation and mysticism, which, you know, on one level is far more interested in intuition than, you know, empirical type of, of, of learning, you know. Uh, maybe it's to maybe maybe it's a balance, you know. Maybe okay, maybe, yeah. maybe it's it's yeah, it's yeah. my uh, you know my own system trying to balance itself out. But I do like uh, the idea of moving beyond words in our prayer. Uh, I think that's very important. Um, I think you know prayers with words and writing our prayers, like petitions at novenas, etc., are very important. But there's also a time to to move beyond that realm and to really just what I like to call rest in God. Um, and the inspiration really, I suppose, would be Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. And to, to kind of use that as an inspiration. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I enjoy meditative prayer and contemplative prayer and silent prayer and periods of silence, you know. And I often enjoy um, silent retreats as well, where, you know, it's nice just to, to move beyond that realm. And particularly nowadays, I think the world is so busy and we're so connected. We have these devices, which are brilliant, but we're constantly communicating, speaking, writing, texting, whatever it might be. And I think it's very important to quiet that yeah. and just to allow the natural rhythms to, to return. And uh, I think that's really where, where, where you become most in tune as well uh, with, 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 your, with your faith journey. You know? yeah. I should really step back a little bit because... Okay, after reading this particular book, um, did that kind of influence you to come back again into the Catholic Church? Is, is that the way it worked? 
Yes, I mean, it would have. As I said, uh, when I read The uh, Return of the Prodigal Son, um, you know, I very much read the first section, okay. which really is about that return, mm. you know, um, and about it's not what you've done, what you've thought, what you think, mm. where you are. The, that stuff is not important. The important thing is just to take the step, you know, and to trust, to trust, you know. Um, from where you, from from your background in terms of analytical and so on and so forth, did that fit in? That trust fit into? Yes, I think. Um, funnily enough, you see, I, there was there was another book I remember uh, taking off the shelf as well, and uh, for the life of me now, I can't remember the author, but it was it was um, something on the lines of Jesus in the four Gospels, mm. and it was one of those nice apologetic books that appeal to my analytical side as well mm-hmm. and put forward the case of because we're very dismissive now to say that oh well none of that gospel stuff happened mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that's all fairy tale that's mm-hmm. all old mythological type stuff you know mm-hmm. as if we're talking about some kind of greek epic you know mm-hmm. when really when you you know when you get stuck into it and that's what that book was was really looking at was that you know this historical figure of jesus existed you know, obviously nobody can prove to you mm-hmm. about him being raised. Mm-hmm. But I like the way uh, Tom Wright, actually, he was former um, Bishop of Durham. Uh, he teaches in, in St. Andrews now at the moment, he, an Anglican bishop. And, you know, he makes the point that he, like, it's just as preposterous 2000 years ago, Jesus being raised from the dead as it is today. Because I think we sometimes think that, oh, well, back then people were kind of simpler and would have believed things and swallowed things. But no. They weren't. They were just like us. And if you said that somebody was killed and was buried and then rose again three days later and was walking around, they would have looked at you and laughed and said, there's something wrong. (laughs) So that book went, you know, very much more. And Tom Wright, actually, like I said, I can't remember that original. It was a little small book, but I would recommend Tom Wright for anyone who's interested in, you know, looking historically um, and, you know, this person of Jesus and the fact of, you know, these historic accounts, these gospel accounts mm. are historical, do you know? Yeah, okay. Um, and there is, like, obviously there's a bigger religious layer to them, mm-hmm. but they are historically trying to look at what happened, you know, what, what actually happened. I think the beauty as well of it, and Wright speaks about this, is the fact that, you know, none of the four of them exactly match, mm. which you see, at first people kind of go, oh, well, sure, that's that kind of tells you, sure, that, you know, that, that this is... A, no, that actually tells you that they were witness accounts. Yes. And just like if you go into court mm-hmm. and you have four witnesses who saw the same thing, they'll tell you different things of the same account. Mm-hmm. So it'll be the same story, mm-hmm. but you'll get different, different flavors. And some, mm-hmm. one person will remember this thing and then another person will remember something. And that's really, you know, what, what the Gospels get into as well. So the analytical side, I kind of delved into apologetics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... I suppose the other side, the prodigal son, you know, was then that quieted, I suppose, some of that cynicism. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And cynicism is is, is, is very ripe uh, at the moment. Okay, yeah. um, and uh, and being scientific, I would have, you know, a certain cynicism and I still would. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, a little cynicism is healthy mm-hmm. as well to a degree. Um, but then just kind of traveling on that journey with Henry now and... Um, you know, the the first stage of that would have been the prodigal son aspect, just the return, just look at it. Almost a case of, well, what have you got to lose? Okay. Do you know? Mm. Um, and then 
growing it from there, I think, really, do you know. And so from there then, I mean, what were the next steps after that now? So you've, you've come from this agnostic sort of teenage years or mm. early 20s, mm. read this book and you think, yeah, I might, I might give this a go. What was the next step for you then? Well, for me, um, I, I love the, the way Donald Harrington, uh, the, the, mm. the former Maynooth theologian, always puts it. And I always come back to this, that he kind of looks at that, that there's really three aspects to faith. There's faith of the head, faith mm-hmm. of the heart, and faith of the hands. And each of us, whilst we all express our faith in those ways, but each of us is kind of drawn in a, you know, in a, in a more profound way to one or the other. And I would very much kind of be a person of a faith of the head, and maybe because of my scientific background, mm-hmm. my personality. Mm-hmm. So I would have then really kind of, I dived in and I started reading quite a lot. You know, a lot of a lot of different uh, theological books, really. You know, okay. like I said, Tom Wright would have appealed a lot mm-hmm. to me. Um, Bishop Robert Barron oh, appealed yeah. a lot mm-hmm. uh, to me. And again, I think because they kind of tackle the subjects in an intellectual way. Um, but that was something for me. But you, yes. Now, as you grow as well in the faith, you start to realize that. Well, hold on, right? This is this is all very well. This is feeding the the faith of the head, but mm. but there's 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 more aspects to this. And that's then when I kind of started getting more interested in the contemplative di- direction and okay. the fate of the heart. Mm. Uh, and so developing that and, and, you know, again, reading some of the, you know, some of the, the, the great uh, mystics that were there, you know, Teresa of Avila, mm-hmm. um, even uh, St. Therese of Lisieux as well. Mm. Um, fantastic writings. M- Meister Eckhart, yeah. um, you know, and, and then even more, more modern than Merton really appealed to me. Uh, Thomas Merton, I, I I just thought was you know fantastic insight, and an insight as well that linked to modern culture, modern life, because he you know we were starting to move into this technological world, mm-hmm. and uh, Merton could see this and could see the benefits and the pitfalls, you know, um, and uh, Thomas Keating then as well would be a big influence of mine, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, and Father Richard Rohr as well. So, you know, these, these kind of modern thinkers who some traditionalists would disagree with on aspects, um, which I think is fine. And I, that's what I like about Catholicism. There's room for everyone. It's, it's, it's the universal church. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's, 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 I think it's healthy to, to sort of to take mm-hmm. in different aspects from all, you know. And just, I suppose, just to kind of finish mm-hmm. the, the last bit, then the, the, the faith of the hands is probably the one that yeah. I'm trying to work at now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's you know in in the sense of the kind of missionary work now that I'm doing, um, and you know that kind of trying to actually put my faith into action, you know, and to actually get out there to people, uh, help people spread the faith, you know, and uh, so that's probably where I mean you never stop working on all of them, but that's probably been the progression mm. for me. Yes. And everyone's different; everyone's going to be different, you know. Mm. That's the beauty of it. And so, would you say now that maybe your faith uh, has has developed? Obviously, what it has, obviously, uh, over the last few years since you've been going through this, these various processes of going reading these books and, and now involved with, as you would tell me, is it the mission of the hand, did you say it is? Uh, the yeah, the yeah, the, the faith of the, of the, the hands. Faith the hand. Yeah, um, and, you know, try, trying to kind of put faith into practice, really, do you know? So that meant going the extra little bit of a step right, uh, more than maybe the ordinary Joe's old Catholic maybe would do. Maybe the ordinary Joe's old Catholic come to a point, yeah, okay... I believe, and I'll attend 
a Mass every Sunday and I read the sacrament and I'll listen to the gospel and so on and so forth. You wanted to go that little bit deeper. Mm. Okay. Um, so since then, you've been you've been involved with quite a few things. Um, one of the things that I, that I, I read about you uh, was that you're involved with a, with a contemporary worship band. <laughs> That's right. Tell us about that. What, what, That's where, right. Where did that come? Well, I've, I've, I've been singing most of my life and uh, I play guitar a bit as well. And, okay. Um, so I would have been involved with a, you know, church music growing up and, okay. and that. And, uh, but there was uh, a couple of years ago, uh, there was a very active young friar who was in Wexford and uh, he wanted to hold a Catholic youth conference. Okay. Um, so went to the bishop and sorted it all out and uh-uh. said he'd hold a, hold a half day, primarily actually of, of people giving testimony um, and that type. But he wanted, you know, to keep it upbeat and, you know, kind of moving along. So he wanted some music as well. And he spoke to myself and a, and a couple of friends of mine mm. And we got together and uh, it was kind of the, the formation of it. And um, we were trying to come up with a name and we were trying to think of different things. And, and uh, we came up with the mustard seeds. So well, <laughs> we, you know, we know, thought it was bad, quite apt, bad, bad, you know, because we were bad. coming from very small beginnings. That's right, yeah. And okay, okay. We, we, we thought we'd see where, you know, what we could do with it. Um, and it, yeah, it, it, it grew from that. So we... Um, we used like we we would we would still play traditional hymns in a, in a kind of a folk style as such mm-hmm. you know like like folk uh, um, as you'd have folk choirs and things but um, but we wanted to kind of try different things as well so we 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 took on some of the you know the more modern sort of worship style okay. uh, of music okay. as well okay. and made use of those uh, and then started even writing our own material um, and doing that as well. And um, we became quite involved then. One of the one of the girls in the group uh, wrote a wonderful uh, pro-life song. Oh, lovely. Okay. And because what we we had the kind of idea of, well, you know, people at the moment, uh, you know, in, in general society are, are somewhat dismissive of the pro-life argument, you know. And we kind of felt, well, is there a different way maybe we could reach people? Yeah. Um, so mm. we thought, well, could we do it through music and, and through song, you know? Mm. Um, so... Um, yeah, she wrote the song uh, "Together Beat Our Hearts," which was a lovely tribute, as you know, to to mirror the heartbeat of the mother and the heartbeat of the child, and how they were actually, you know, mm-hmm. beating together. You know, and and this was kind of the idea that we wanted to get across. And uh, it was great. We got we got invited then over to the UK uh, March for Life, oh, which yeah. was held last. Uh, well, actually, it was the year like it was last year's one, so it was in May of last year. And we got to play there um, on on the main stage and on that march, which was a great experience. Um, and this year now we've been asked uh, to play at the Irish um, Rally for Life, which Very is good. on in Dublin next month uh, in July. And uh, so yeah, we're we're really looking forward to that. But we we tried to do things a little bit differently uh, because it's a bit like what you know Bishop Barron would say. You you know you must evangelize in the culture. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. So. We do things a little bit differently. In a folk style, then we will take songs like uh, Guns N' Roses' mm. Sweet Child of Mine mm. Mm. because the representation of, well, yeah. a sweet child, you know? And we do things like that. And, yeah. uh, you know, at the, like another one that we make use of uh, now at the moment, we're working on Bob Marley, Get Up, Stand Up, you know? So stand, well, rather than stand up for your rights, we're yes. trying to stand up for those that don't have a voice to voice for their rights. So again, you know, just using these more modern type songs and in our own sort of folk and uh, Celtic style and doing something different. And, you know, uh, people who would have been very familiar with those songs in years gone by will say, oh, maybe, maybe these guys have another thing that I might have on to. Yeah, yeah. 
Something else you're involved with, uh, I believe, this, uh, and I'm interested to hear about this one, the Hook of Faith Digital Project. It's an evangelisation project in the Diocese of France. Yes. What's this all about? How does it work? Well, this really originated out of um, the uh, Father Billy Swan, who Mm -hmm. uh, is in Enniscorthy in in County Wexford, Diocese of Ferns. Uh, He was very instrumental in setting up uh, adult faith formation. And uh, actually to the point where he, along with, with other clergy, established a certificate in pastoral theology, which was run through Carlo Institute of Technology, who have a campus in Wexford. Okay. So essentially every other year there's a crop of adults go through this. About 20, you know, 20 to 24, um, you know, people from, from all ages, uh, young adults right the way up to people who are retired. And the idea being really that it's it's to develop and deepen your, your faith and have a kind of a dig into theology. And, you know, there's all, all the different topics around that moral theology, spirituality, the church, uh, sacraments, etc. And for personal formation, but then also with the idea that you would develop people to, you know, be able to participate more in their parishes, you know. Um, and from that, uh, Father Billy then essentially created a group called Ferns Cafe, which was a Catholic adult formation and education cafe. And and then growing out of that group, that group essentially would hold, you know, uh, like talks and uh, short seminars uh, on different faith topics. Um, and But what was felt then was, well, you know, with the modern age and the use of internet, we need to kind of, you know, capture this as well and capture it and get it out there uh, and have a resource that people could come back to, not just single events, you know. Um, so that was where then the Hook of Faith came from. And the name, we were trying to come up with a name, uh, as you do for any of these projects, you know. And uh, what struck us was, uh, if people are familiar with Wexford, they may know Hook Lighthouse, Hook Head, yes, okay. which is uh, the oldest operating uh, lighthouse in the world. Um, and used to actually very long time ago was was the the flame was lit by monks who used to protect the ships from the from the dangerous ooh, rocks ooh. and channel. So we felt this was a good analogy and name. It represented ferns, our, our region, but then it represented also, you know, the light of Christ um, well, yeah. and and the yeah. guiding light, the light of the world. Yeah. So we felt it actually brought that together. Okay. Um, and so we created a digital platform www.hookoffaith.com. Okay. And basically, there's a mix of things there. Everything from, you know, there, there's audio interviews uh, that we do with, with different people from around the diocese, whether they, you know, whether it's purely religious or not. You know, I mean, sometimes it'll just be about other aspects as well. Okay. We, there's articles then there as well from people, um, both from clergy, from lay people. Uh, so, uh, you know, a wide variety then of topics around faith, with the idea being that it's open to everyone um, and we encourage anyone and everyone to make submissions to us uh, obviously it has to have some element of yeah. faith or mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. or the natural world or, or that kind of mm-hmm. way um, but but we like to keep it uh, quite open for people and again so that it can appeal then as well to a broad spectrum uh, to those who are you know the, the religious who are looking for something deeper to explore but also then for others who you know maybe just looking at spirituality for the first time and it just gives them a flavor of something as well do you know mm. I, I actually I, I had a quick listen this morning just before we had a chat and there was an interview I think with a with, with a man who's um with child making first communion this year 
and he was just ch- sharing his experience of being on that that journey with his child. Yes, yeah. And I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Because he'd then go off and then share that with other people and encourage them. And I see, I think there were some links there to uh, Bishop Barron's website as well. That's right, yeah. There was a few quotations there from the Psalms. Yep. One or two of them, I know my wife, and I can't think of them off the top of my head. She should love to, I'm not sure when we get home. But so, I mean, but but that, again, involves a bit of time, quite a bit of time, mm. your time. Yeah. And um, that's, that is... Um, Resourced by members of the community around France and around all aspects of life, coming yeah. and doing doing yeah. their bit to encourage others. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and that's the word I think: encourage. Mm. Now, if that wasn't enough, Neil, you've also you've you keep yourself busy because you've also become involved uh, part time with the Redemptors uh, preaching at Novenas and Missions. How did that come about? Did you have any time for it? <laughs> By the way, does your wife see much of you? So that's uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. okay. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, but but um, yeah, how did it? become involved with the rest. Well, it's funny, like, because uh, I actually, you know, the literal answer is I saw an ad in the <laughs> newspaper and I answered it. As we all do. Which, uh, you know, <laughs> is, is, is obviously just yeah, the literal. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the Redemptorists for a while now have um, had lay missionaries to assist uh, with, with their missions, yeah. their novenas. Mm. Uh, and I, I think it's, 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 you know, it's a great initiative um, because really, you know, to me, it, it, it's kind of fulfillment of, of the true values of Vatican II that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, look, it, it's up to each of us, each of us that are baptized, we all have our role in mm-hmm. proclaiming the gospel. And, um, you know, whether ordained, whether religious, whether lay, you know, whatever, even the, even the terms, you know, I, I mm-hmm. don't matter so much. Yeah. It's up to each and every one of us. Yeah. And um, in their most recent round of, uh, of, of looking for people, uh, I suppose about three years ago now, uh, I just saw this ad and mm-hmm. I said, oh, I had a word with my wife about it mm-hmm. and the Senate, she said, oh, yeah, you should, you should get in touch. So and I was in touch here with the, with the uh, Redemptress here in Limerick mm-hmm. and um, basically from there, just, it was kind of, a, oh, well, why don't you drop in for, I mean, I, I could say interview, but not an interview. You know, we, we, we sat and we had a chat and was this something that would work for both yeah, of us? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Because yeah, I have to balance with, with work time. Naturally. And uh, so, yeah, really how, how I kind of do it is I try to get, you know, two missions or novenas uh, in per year mm-hmm. uh, because obviously, I, you know, I have to take leave from work yeah. uh, to do those, you know. But... You know, people kind of sometimes look at me and, and sort of say, what, you, you use your holidays for it? Exactly, but, yeah. I, you know, I think you might understand, John, you know, and some of your listeners that when you're doing something that you love and you feel is worthwhile, yeah, yeah. it's, you know, it's better than a holiday. Of course. It's, you know, it's, so, uh, we're so fortunate to be able to yeah. have the opportunity. Of yeah. And that's the thing, you know, first of all, what sort of reaction did you get of people? Was it lay people? Was it a lay, a lay preacher? Went on the altar. Did you get any? Yeah. What sort of reaction did you get? Overwhelmingly positive. Great. Do you know? Um, most people just, you know, they find that it's 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 refreshing. I suppose it's it's mm-hmm. something different. It. I think it awakens in them a little bit too that you know, really, uh, for for all people, all baptized people, like we have a role. Do you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of when they see somebody. A normal person like me, yeah, I like to yeah, think yeah. I'm somewhat normal. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, doing these kind of things that uh, you know, I think they sort of think, well, do you know what? Like, yeah, we, we all have our role to play, and we all have, you know, our duty to to spread the gospel in whatever way we can. You know, I mean, 
obviously it's not going to suit everyone you know no. not not everyone likes to be standing no, no. in front of crowds of people yeah, yeah. um but i certainly would say to anyone that's interested in in being involved in the likes of of parish mission novena work to get in touch with the redemptors because uh you know it really is very fulfilling if it's something that you're interested in and that takes an awful lot of time to prepare praying about it first of all yeah. uh, because you can't go anywhere without prayer but after that then you know, research into topics that has been agreed by the mission team and then going off and slotting that in with the other missionary, you know, so you're not repeating the same thing and so on yeah, and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Naveen this year um, here in Limerick, the theme has been called To Be Saints, Living the Beatitudes. And maybe you might share a few thoughts about the topic yourself then. Yeah, I remember being asked, uh, you know, about speaking at the Novena and uh, when I heard the, the, the topic, the Beatitudes, I was, you know, delighted and kind of terrified all at the same time because, (laughs) I mean, the Beatitudes and actually the first, like, because, and I was speaking about it on the opening uh, evening, uh, you know, the first place I actually sometimes go just to sort of get a a foundation when you want to speak about something is to the catechism. And, uh, you know, really the catechism actually sums it up as like, it's it's at the heart of Mm. Jesus's preaching. It really, and it's at, at the core of our faith. Mm. And I thought what was, and, and was something I discussed because um, I like to weave that overall narrative uh, from the, you know, from the Old Testament right the way up to where we are now. Mm-hmm. And it's something that the catechism actually says is that the, what the Beatitudes do is actually fulfill the promises that, was made, that were made to Abraham, mm-hmm. not merely for a territory, or a possession, mm-hmm. but for the kingdom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was part of what I was 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 kind of speaking about was that it it no longer was just then the the promise of land and a nation that the Jewish people were promised, that it actually Jesus expanded it, that it was now the promise of the kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. and um, you know that's that's a huge step. Yes. further in our whole mm-hmm. faith and mm-hmm. salvation, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really that's at the core of what the Beatitudes are about. And, you know, the other side of it, I think that I was trying to portray is that the, the Beatitudes are very much paradoxical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, where we're being told that, uh, you know, blessed or happy, uh, maybe would be mm-hmm. more modern translation, you know, happy are those who mourn, happy are those who are poor. Happier those who are persecuted. To the modern world, it doesn't make any sense to us, you know. No. Um, but, and that's a, the great thing about a novena like that, where there's a chance to actually sit with these, you know, mm. these strange paradoxical instructions, and to get the insights as well from the likes of myself and from the yeah, other yeah. preachers and yes. that, and, yes. and uh, you know, to learn that well, really, it's it's this idea of you know, as Saint Paul puts it, if we suffer with him, we will be glorified yeah. with him. You know, this, this, these opposites that, you know, to be honest, make no sense. But once you once you're really caught up in life yeah. and sometimes look back, mm-hmm. they make a lot more sense than you realize, because there's no life that's free of suffering. No. Um, no. And really, you know, unless you can actually apply this kind of wisdom, the wisdom of the Beatitudes, that that type of suffering can make very little sense. Um, so it's 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 very important from a Christian perspective, that we are actually able to realize that there is value in our suffering um, and that there is so much more uh, beyond it for us. 
And for those of us who attend the Novena, to have a topic like that, the Beatitudes, and listen to it for nine days, the, the different Beatitudes, it allows us, it allows that message to sink through to us, doesn't it? Yes. You know? Yeah. That it, that, 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 so somehow, going back to what you said before, you know, the contemplation and so on and so forth, we're, we're allowed to come away from the world for that, just for those nine days. And okay, we've got to go to work in between and so on and so forth. But we come, when we come back inside that church, and hear the music and the ambience of the uh, of the whole church, and then the preacher comes on to explain and give his few thoughts for us to take away, and we then link those with the previous days, and then for the days that are following, it's a wonderful experience to come yeah. out at the other end. Yes, yeah, and yeah. So, well, you know that, that, yeah, and it's it's something that you know in this busy modern world we have so little time, and it can be so hard to you know fit in our faith aspects and keep it yeah, you know yeah, yeah, that yeah. it's so important and things like the novena are so important because they just give you that space you know and uh, allow you to absorb as you said you know the deeper mm-hmm. the deeper the, levels the, the, of the our faith levels of it yeah. it gives us a chance yeah but that brings me on to maybe one of the one of the other questions here what do you think um draw people to a novena whereas you know in their thousands hundreds thousands every day and yet our own local churches are only a third full Mm. Yeah. Oh, why is that? I think, think I think it follows on from what we're saying. It's you know a novena like that is is somewhat of a, a mini retreat. Yeah. It allows that little bit of space and allows that bit of time for people that they ordinarily don't have. You know. Mm. Um. And I think what it also does is, you know, there is a deep seated spirituality within each of us. Yes. And, uh, you know, mm. and despite the modern world and the busyness of it and the move towards more secular society, you know, Mark Patrick Hederman actually mentions it mm-hmm. as well in his most recent book, uh, where he says like that, he makes the point, kind of, you know, quite boldly that religion is not in trouble, he says. Mm. He says, because each of us is a religious being and we know it deep down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think a novena, it, it draws that out in people. Um, whilst they may not regularly be going to, to mass, they have this desire and deep within them there's a spirituality that is 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 looking to to surface mm-hmm. and you know a novena really is an opportunity for that and also i think for people haven't lost that sense of intercessory prayer yeah. you know even mm-hmm. though religious practice may have fallen off uh, it's amazing that when you speak to a lot of people they still pray you know and you know and very much pray for the very important things in their life you know for for their children for their families for their parents mm-hmm. um for other things like yeah. success mm-hmm. for a job okay. or you know yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. a new home or things well, like that as well and, and look at mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. you know that's fine that's part yeah. of living as well okay. um so i think it appeals on those two fronts that that deep-rooted spirituality that people is ingrained in people and also that you know, that connection to intercessory prayer that people still have. And I think a novena just draws that just out in people, you know. And uh, and maybe as a formula, actually, to, you know, in terms of, like, the likes of regular church attendance, maybe, you know, it's something, I think, that, you know, maybe we have to look at uh, in terms of, you know, to, to appeal to those aspects to people. You're not changing, you know, anything or the direction within the church, but just that, to use those elements of church, that deep-rooted spirituality, that intercessory prayer, and that bringing together of people for, you know, that time out, that quiet time, that, that you know, that retreat aspect. And I think, I think they're the elements that, that can draw people back uh, to church, you know, and, and back to the faith. 
I think one of the more liberating um, really experiences too that people have is being in being at a divina and being able to take part in the singing and the praying of the prayers. Yeah. I've often been inside there and people say, I can't sing. But you see them inside in the divina and they're singing their heads off. Yeah. And, and these aren't maybe modern songs either. These are traditional hymns that are always sung. It's a wonderful experience. Yeah, and I mean, it's actually something that is, you know, very much at the core of what the Redemptorists do. When you're cantering uh, for a novena, um, like the idea is that we use the hymns people know. And that's why in the back of the booklets as well, you'll see, you'll know practically all, 90% 90 of the hymns, you'll know them, you know. And that is the whole idea is to get people singing. The hymns they're familiar with, hymns they're confident with, to just sing. And we make the point of, it doesn't matter whether you think you can sing or can't sing or what, it's just to sing. And that's what we're all doing. You know? Last question, please, just before, just and thank you again for your time. What advice would you give to someone listening to us today who might be struggling to hold on to their faith, their faith maybe they were brought up with 50 years ago, with all the problems that happen within the church, but also, uh, also the, you know, the, the, the challenges that are posed by modern life and so on and so forth. People out there just struggling to hold on to their faith. Yeah, and, and it's a real struggle, you know, and I think, it's, I think it's very difficult in this modern, you know, as I said, this fast-paced world, this constant connection, um, and this cynical world as well. But I think, just like what we were saying about the novena, it's, it's really about taking personal, personal time and personal ownership. And that, you know, that thing of, of ingrained uh, spirituality, to work on that in yourself, you know, religion at the end of the day is is really a personal journey. Uh, we can talk about institutions and we can talk about, you know, history and traditions, which are all very important. But at the end of the day, it's about your own journey. And for us Christians, it's about that journey with Christ, with Jesus. So, I mean, my, my point to people would be to hold on to that, to, you know, to really just keep it personal don't, as, as, as was put uh, forward there at the Novena as well, your prayer doesn't have to be something you think God wants to hear. Your prayer is what's inside of you. And I always say to people, don't worry, God can handle it. Doesn't matter what it is. If you're angry, if you're sad, if you're lonely, if you're ecstatic, if you're happy, whatever it is, God's bigger than it all. He can handle it all if you just give it to him. And I think that's really the key to it, to, you know, to have that personal spirituality. Try to take time wherever you can, just whether it's a simple prayer, whether it's a little bit of time out, whether it's, you know, trying to get to mass, uh, to, you know, to, because the Eucharist is, is really, you know, as, as a Christian and as a Catholic, it really is central if you can make time for the Eucharist. And it really is so important and it will strengthen you. Um, and the other aspect I would say is if you feel brave enough, and I always say to people, don't be afraid to open the Bible. And have a word, you know, we've often, and older people say to me, oh, we were told not to read the Bible. And I say, well, you've heard most of it if you've been going to Mass all your life. And I say, don't, don't, don't make the mistake of starting at the, the, the start of the book. Open the Gospels. I said, I always say to people, if you can, if you can just take time. You'd, as I also say, you don't even need to own a Bible. You can go online now. You can look up any passage you, you want. Uh, Bible Gateway is my own personal recommendation. I'm not affiliated with them in any way, but I think it's brilliant. And you can get an app even on your phone and start with the Gospels. Just read them, you know, 
read them slowly. Don't read them like a book. Yeah. Just take a little bit. Take even just a few verses in a day. Yeah. Sit with it. Let it soak and let it build your personal faith. Now, Father, thank you so much for sharing your journey, which has come a long way now from, from all those various things. I mean, how, again, getting involved with, with, with the mustard seeds and getting involved with the hook of digital of faith, digital evangelization. Um, you're also working with the EPA, I think, as, as a right. scientist. <laughs> you're yeah. married. And, and you fit all these things in. We thank you again for coming to, to share with us and come and see Inspirations because it's people like you that give us another little uh, look into how people's faith journey develops and would certainly encourage us. So best look for the future and God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. Bye-bye now. God bless.